0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Picard. Now streaming only on CBS All Access, a legend returns. Sir Patrick Stewart reprises his iconic role as Captain Jean-Luc Picard in the original series Star Trek Picard. Follow this hero on an unexpected mission into the far reaches of the galaxy. Sign up today for CBS All Access by visiting cbs.com slash The Watch. Get your first week of CBS All Access for free and stream Star Trek Picard now.
1: in sports to have
0: to clear the room. Stand up and walk, now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, he made Matt. It's Jason Concepcion. Oh, uh, bring me the grief eater. Um, all right, so Jason and I are here today. Happy Thursday. Thank you for listening. Greenwald is in parts unknown. Uh, he'll be back on Monday. <laughs> we'll discuss probably the usual Sunday night's latest stuff. Get his takes on the trench battle between the Niners and the Chiefs. Just oh, that's Chris Long. I'm just just kidding. Uh, no, we're gonna get Greenwald to back in here on Monday, and we'll we'll do most of the Sunday night shows. But Jason and I, I wanted to talk to him about Outsider. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to him about Cheer. Oh my god, maybe a little Star Wars stuff. Let's do it. Okay, so let's start with Outsider. We'll be spoiling up through episode four, so if you're behind, don't listen. If you're behind, just save this for later. The Further Adventures of Holly Gibney in the Doppelgangerverse. Oh, man. She's going at it. Not the official title. Let me start here. What do you think, or how are you feeling about, like, there's now essentially been three protagonists of this show. So you had, like, Terry Maitland and Wrongly Accused, and you have Bateman's character in the first episode, uh... First two episodes, I guess. Limit, very limited run. Print. Yeah. And then Mendelssohn kind of like holds it down, but we are get introduced to Holly. Mm-hmm. And then four, uh, KVN El Coco is definitely Holly's episode. She's out there. How are you feeling about like each episode, it kind of like shifts to a new POV character?
2: It's been, it has been a little bewildering, but once Holly gets into gear the show really picks up like it, we're at the stage now where it's like, okay, the mythology is essentially set in place. We kind of know yeah. what we're facing. It's just the how. And that kind of like supernatural procedural is honestly really fun, yeah, like You're trying extremely to extremely our shit. It's <laughs> very, very much my shit. And like trying to like seeing these reasonable, rational people try and grapple with something that is outside of their experience is really the where a lot of the energy of the show comes from for me.
0: I was thinking about this because we spent a lot, you know, a big chunk of 2019 talking about True Detective Season 3. And I think in all of our discussions about True Detective, we had a longing for it to be about something more than just another fucked up yeah. child murdering ring or whatever. Like, whether it was that we wanted it to, like, kind of connect to occult worship, or whether we actually wanted there to be such a thing as, like, a yellow Mm -hmm. king out there, probably just because we're like, I want to see them thread that needle. Like, I want to see, I want to see Pizalada do that. That's, essentially, the outsider, like, in the first episode is like, yes, there is, there is something out there under the bed. Yeah,
2: and it's, like, a really uh, fascinating grand metaphor about trying to find, like, meaning in loss and grief, which, uh, you know, is, like, a thing this is a fan of fantasy stories of sci-fi stories is a, is a is a subject that i find really appealing and fraught with like a lot of emotional weight about like what it means to like be a human being yeah. and try and fig- like try and square awful tragedies with uh, the rest of life's normalcy and try and figure out how why a terrible thing happens and in this case the terrible thing happens because there is a grief eater demon. Yeah.
0: A viral
2: monster. Right. That uh that And I don't can, mean viral like it's getting getting RTs. Right. That can that can impersonate you really well. Yeah. And then we'll absolutely frame you up for various crimes. I, I want let's talk let's talk a little
0: bit about what you just mentioned there with like, you know, as a fan of sci-fi yeah, yeah. and as a fan of fantasy. I think at the end of this episode when Holly is talking to the woman that sort of overhears her talking to Monica and Rikers, they start talking about Coco, these different, like, every culture kind of has this boogeyman. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, when she used to hear about it, El Coco was used as, like, a deterrent from misbehavior. It's like, we used to tell kids, don't be bad because the boogeyman will come get you. And then she's like, but in reality, it doesn't matter. Because he'll take what he wants, or it takes what it wants. And then Holly kind of goes off on this run, does some bathtub reading. Yeah. Gets into, you know, looking at, like, um, I think it's Goya, whatever the painting oh, yeah, is she's yeah, yeah, looking
2: the, the, at. The, the um, e- like, uh, eating his own son. Saturn like, eating his Saturn son. Eating Saturn eating his son. Yeah,
0: yeah. His son or, yeah. And uh, is reading about, like, na- indigenous, like, Native American myths and, and, and stuff like that. And you realize, like, you know— one of the most interesting things that we discussed when we were in True Detective and some of the stuff we were reading about there is that we're just not that far removed from when this stuff was, like, oh, yeah. widely believed.
2: Oh, yeah. It's really <laughs> it's not that, that long ago. That kind of thing is really fascinating to me, which is, like, this idea that, like, some sort of wisdom has been lost, you know, some sort of understanding that the natural world has been trod over or paved over or destroyed. Um, and I think, like, this kind of... This kind of subject matter really taps into that idea of, you know, the the kind of like general feeling that the the ship is is moving along, but there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah. That just kind of like vague feeling that you know everything seems normal. I look outside, everything's fine. It's bad news all over the over social media and the news that it, that happens too. But it, there's a general feeling that maybe something is more wrong than it than right. than it seems. Right, and 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 that
0: the explanation. For these bad
2: feelings that we have is actually inexplicable, right?
0: Or the explanation would not track with like right. You can't everything s- we know about reality. You can't square it with your with modern experience, right? I was curious when you were growing up, mm-hmm. we're about the same age. Like, did you ever have anything like this? Like, was there ever like oh, yeah, any the, kind of like?
2: Yeah, there was like a the, the, you know, my like relatives from the Philippines would talk about like duendes, which was. like, these little, like, dwarven, I guess, like, house spirits is, like, how how you refer to them. They were, like, these little dwarven people that lived in, like, a a crack, like, in the molding at the bottom of the wall where it met the floor. Oh, shit. And you would leave them, like, little offerings, like, little bits of food and stuff. So, and then they would bring good luck to your house. Yeah. That was, like, one of those things. And they absolutely, 100%, like, you you know, it's my relatives are – they're reasonable people for the most part. But, like, 100% they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's real. You've got to leave tribute. you got to yeah. leave it. I've seen them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you Sure. I like – but that's – and there's another one, too, that I, – now I forget the name of it. But it was, like, a woman without legs. And she would fly around in the night and, like uh, – you know, like attach herself to the roof and somehow she would smell like the blood of like a person and then she would like creep down and like suck their blood and then fly away in the night when they were sleeping. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what about you? I'm sure it, like, you know what? It was more English Irish uh, folklore is like full of stuff. Like it, my
0: parents were pretty candidly atheist. Mm. So uh, I, and I didn't grow up in a particularly, I would say, like folkloric household. There were plenty though, and we talked about this when we did. True D season 3 together on Flat Circle plenty of urban legends and it was a time when there were not those urban legends were not easily disprovable by going online so they would permeate and they would mutate and they would kind of get to you in different ways some of it is as basic as like there is a phantom gang in this park (laughs) which like in retrospect was literally like the backyard of a condo development (laughs) but like at the time I was like the fucking, like, like the outsiders are hanging out there, yes. and they're, like, whipping bike chains around and stuff, but they were like, don't go into Taney Park. Right. The Taney Park gang will get you. And it was, like, actually a pretty nice park, and in <laughs> retrospect, probably would have had a lot of fun if yeah. I had just gone to Taney Park more. I'm trying to think of, like, what else. There was a lot of, like, criminal stuff where it was, yeah, like, yeah. it was, like, just a real game of telephone where, like, something that was... Often a pretty heinous crime, but would, like, kind of mutate to something, like, almost incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. But that was more what it was like for me. There wasn't a lot of, like, mythology stuff going on. Holly, in this show, and I want to talk a little bit about Cynthia Revo and also, like, the characterization of Holly, which mm-hmm. I think is, like, as soon as we meet her in three, I was like, all right. Like, do we do we really need another Carrie Matheson? Right, Kinda it's like, a little
2: tropey, the kind of on-the-spectrum-ish person yeah. who just is a... T- a, a repository for all information, yes. data,
0: and she can she can look at a, a skyscraper and tell right. you how tall it is. She can tell you who was pitching for the right. Cubs in 1987. Tell you what
2: every what every day that May 20th yes. falls on for the next 200 years. Right,
0: but typically with that kind of character in in stories, you see that person just incredibly alienated, like they yeah. just can't really. And if they have a relationship, it's incredibly self destructive. I'm thinking yeah. like the first the person I'm thinking of was Carrie Matheson, but like. Typically, like I think that those kind of characters are really isolated, and there, a lot of um, plot armor comes out of like their inability to like f- like basically have like sincere human interactions or, or feel things. I, I think what they're doing with, with did with Holly in a very short period of time is wonderful. There's certain times where you're like she's misreading cues here, right. and that's kind of leading to a confrontation. But her relationship with the mall security guy, yes, and even like the way she talks to Ralph and the way she kind of goes about her business, being like. I only deal in perceivable facts, the empirical evidence. And yet she's being confronted with this completely
2: unbelievable story. I think, you know, there's a small moment that I think was is a really wonderful bit of character development. She's like shows up. She's doing her investigation. She's asking about like um, old footage. And I think it's the mall uh, security guys like tells her a joke. Played by the chief of staff guy from House of Cards. Yeah, And she's like, why do people tell jokes? Yeah. And it's a small thing, but it shows that, like, unlike, say, Carrie Matheson, who reacts to, like, her estrangement from uh, reality or her—well, her her own hyper-reality and, and that hyper-reality's estrangement from kind of, like, normal human interaction, she reacts to that with kind of, like, rage and befuddlement. Yeah. Holly is genuinely curious about why— People do the things they do, even though she has no natural feeling for it. Right. Um, so, you know, the rest of the world kind of filters through this lens of like research, almost, and curiosity about why things are the way they are, rather than this kind of like rejection or complete misunderstanding of cues. So she she may miss cues, but she is genuinely curious about the about the way people interact. Yeah, and I think that. It
0: allows Price to really throw a change up in terms of, like, how he's writing characters and how these characters are reacting to the story. I think if it had been simply Ralph, right, the Ben Mendelsohn character, going through this mystery and constantly just kind of being confronted with probably his own culpability and getting Terry killed yeah. by, like, pressing so hard on the, you know, I mean, that's where you get into this whole idea of, like if this if this being or this entity is involved, like, how much control do these people have over right. their lives anyway? Right. But if you just continued on with Ralph being like, I don't understand. I've got this guy looking at me in the face right. in this video, and then he's in looking at me in the face in this video, and they're taking it at the same time, essentially. Bringing Holly in is, like, a kind of almost objective outsider, even if it is seem like... So you guys have now, like, five investigators working right. on this somehow? It's, it's just, like, a really great stroke by Price, and it also... They need they need someone to get out on the trail yeah, and they follow this
2: absolutely because you know uh, Detective Anderson is just too weighed down by his own personal demons. Yeah, the investigation itself within the town is just is befuddling, bewildering, and spinning its wheels against one the death of the prime suspect and two the fact that like the. The evidence they have is super weird. You know, it's like the fingerprints are old, but then some of them are new. But then the DNA evidence that they thought they had is a weird substance. Like there's just like a lot of strange things happening. So to your point, Holly is out there like at the forefront of this case, just assembling data. Mm -hmm. And I'm eager for them to get to the stage of trying to actually make sense of all this stuff yeah and that's gonna be the challenge
0: for the show is like i think it's the challenge for every stephen King story and even we talked about this on the first episode every or the first time we talked about this every richard price story because price tends to be like you guys wanted to know who done it but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what matters is why is everything else around this happening so that creates a situation where something like this happens King I think sometimes eventually downshifts into it's fucking evil right right hey the, I the told lamp you. is
2: possessed by the devil yeah. I I
0: knew it but this seems to be a, like a a larger a story that has like a little bit more grounding in this idea of people trying to understand the ununderstandable and like the people are yeah. trying to explain away things in life that don't make any sense. And it's almost like, it's actually quite a a metaphorical show in that way. Oh, it's
2: extremely metaphorical. I think, like, you mentioned something that Price does really well, which is tell a story from different points of view. This almost like Rashomonic kind of approach to the truth. And it's really exciting because the truth has never been this weird in anything he's ever done. Yeah. So what is that? How does that relationship to the truth emerge um, through the perspectives of three, I mean, you could argue four main characters at at a given time. Right.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about, or just talk about a couple of things from from episode four. One is, uh, you know, the way that they are illustrating these grief clusters and this sort Mm. of like evil virus that gets passed through scratches in a very like body snatchers kind of way, the way they've chosen to sort of tell that story allows us to be like a couple of blocks ahead of the investigators. Mm-hmm. So, like just watching Outsider, you know that there is this guy in a hooded sweatshirt right. that shows up at these crime scenes that seems to be like um, like in the background of a lot of the more grief-stricken moments. Mm-hmm. Once they start, like, kind of cluing you in to the— and, and I think when they show you, like, here's this chain reaction. Like, right. Monica Canales kills this boy. The boy's grandfather goes and kills Monica Canalis's uncle and father at a bar. Like, all this stuff just kind of m- ripples out, mushrooms out. But we're a little bit be- ahead of, yeah. of Holly here. Typically, when you and I are watching a mystery show, with the—you know, I guess Mindhunter, you know, we see BTK in the background. Yeah. But we don't. We're usually like right with the Jonathan Groff and Holt yeah. character in True Detective. When we're watching, we're right with the Mahershala Ali character, even if he's like jumping back and forth. Like we don't know more than the protagonist right. usually. How do you feel about watching a show where you're like, I'm a little bit ahead of Holly here?
2: I think that it is kind of necessary for a show that is so lore heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, in True Detective we're not really confronted with questions of, like, what happens if? What was it that drew this uh, grief monster to these victims? Is it getting stronger? Is it getting weaker? Is there a way to banish it? These are uh, not—these kind of, like, existential world-building questions aren't really involved in the stories we talked about. Kind of, you know, True Detective season one was kind of different, where there was— it felt like there's, there was this kind of like gossamer framework, yeah. and we and searching that out was really part of the thrill of the show. Here, that's a, it, that's a concrete thing.
0: Yeah, it's like if in the first episode of True Detective, at the end of it, and it pulls back from that like yeah. sort of burned out church, and then in like the far right hand corner, like the spaghetti monster was just like, "Yo, yeah, <laughs> hey,", hey <what's> yo. Up? <laughs> and then the whole time we were like, right. "When is when is right. Russ gonna find this this kind of supernatural?" being but instead it's like you go along on the ride in true detective season yeah. one especially and you're just like well is this like his drugged up perception right. is this actually like a blending of myth and reality or what and in this you're like no there yeah there is I,
2: a monster out there and and because it is that i i think that you have to do it this way you have to let people know like yep we're going there it's supernatural it 100 is and to this point i think they've calibrated that well we're not that far. Ahead. Mm-hmm. We don't know where it's striking next. We don't know what's happening. We th- we think we understand a little bit about the transmission and what happens to a person as they're coming under the influence of, of this grief virus. Um, but we don't know that much more. But I think it's a, I think that's a it's a useful and a necessary way to tell a story like this. That's just has a lot of mythology around it.
0: Yeah. And then they balance that mythology with like Price's eye for investigative detail, where it's just like, yeah, yeah, like you just know. Only Richard Price would be like, it's important to show the bus ride to Rikers. Right. (laughs) It's like, only Richard Price would be like, let's spend 10 minutes with this guy breaking down CCTV footage.
2: Yeah, let's spend, uh, how would you get that, like, let's spend time in a jail cell with a person uh, trying to figure out like how they would sharpen a knife. Yeah, You know, like all these kind of things. Um, All these little... Uh, formulaic for lack of a better word but like procedural ticks. yeah that's like pure price
0: it's interesting i wonder how they'll address the idea of like in this story and i haven't read the novel we're led to believe that at least these crimes that we're seeing are are the extension of this like evil entity Mm -hmm. but like to what extent does that extend to like all crimes or like you know, are there like, are there some murders that are murders of circumstance and murders because people have like, you know, are har- like a crime of passion, um, cr- crime of economic destitution, whatever it is. And then there are some where it's just like you got scratched by the boogeyman.
2: Yeah, that's, it's a fascinating question. And I think one of the things, you know, one of the things that comes up in King's books that is never really, it's never really pursued is like, okay, well, what now? Mm-hmm. You figured out that a certain number of horrific crimes in the world are are committed by a supernatural grief demon <laughs> let's say you stop it this once right are you do you go to the authority like who do you what do you do now right do you go to the FBI right you go to the press right how the, does that the, thing get I, f- defeated yeah, yeah. how do you or do you just let it go and go I guess the world is super weird that conflict is going to be really interesting to watch play out because like what do you what do you do if if you c- come into a possession of this information it, i mean should you should share it yeah. but if you share it people will be like you're crazy Get out of here, right? Maybe, uh, maybe Rogan would have you. On. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Let's uh, let's let's talk it out. Let's hear about it. What do you know, think? Like,
0: uh, Glory, uh, yeah. Glory Aitlin would just be like, "What do you, want? a vlogger, a vlogger, right, a vlogger,
2: just, like, running through all this? B- stuff? A, a
0: podcaster?"
2: That was a that was a great that was a cool scene. that was cool. Yeah. How
0: like the woman was like on the tutor and she's like, "Do this math yeah, problem." Yeah, and she
2: was just like, "Ah." Uh. <laughs>
0: I've I've been really enjoying Mendelssohn's work in this show. i really really enjoyed the brief conversation between Ben Mendelssohn and Patty Constantine about, like, American football. Two guys, just you can tell, super <laughs> just,
2: conversant. In- ob- obviously, uh, <laughs> just immersed in the NFL. He really loved to, to hit guys.
0: Uh, yeah, that was really good. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I wanted to go over here. I think that the, the big question I have, and and this is sort of inevitable with these shows because you just start to, as soon as you get to, like, the halfway point, you start to ask questions about where it's going to lead and where right. it's going to end. And if you've read King before seen adaptations of his stuff before, there it's not uncommon to have like the denouement or the climax of the book or movie to be, we all just kind of got together and psychically put right. this thing back in its place.
2: There's going to be some like, yeah, will there be some sort
0: of... But I can't imagine Richard Price being like, yeah, they they Ralph and Holly hold
2: hands right and send the boogeyman back right. to another dimension over the uh, over the five hundred year old uh, Native American spear That's point. That's right. That's right. And you will take that and drive it into the pumpkin, and that will be, like yeah. Uh, and the Goya painting goes up in flames. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. like that is part of part of the thrill of watching this is understanding that these pieces are fitting now in a really interesting way. But that they don't naturally fit. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen? What what are we going to watch here? Yeah. Um, I am fascinated to find out. Are you surprised
0: like, it's this? It,
2: it's pretty successful. Like no, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, this is a fucking great mystery. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, like we love mysteries. Yeah. Do we not love mysteries? And it's like, also give just like a mystery. I, I feel like this is now the second time where they've they, HBO's just been like, let's put up a, a January Who Done It, and people I, are like, I'm I'm in. I'm hundred percent in. It. I love. Listen, I'm a person that every day <laughs> goes on the Unsolved Mysteries Reddit and just reads about cases.
0: Well, that was the thing when when Holly is just doing like hard Google searches. Yeah. I'm like, girl, go on
2: Reddit. (laughs) That's where it all is, girl.
0: They'll just be like R slash doppelganger. And then (laughs) you will find people who have already been doing the work. Yeah, right. Um, All right, let's talk about some other stuff that's on TV now and then we can wrap up. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Kenobi, but uh, Kaya introduced me to Cheer a couple weeks ago. Uh, Kai, gave a tour de force performance on this podcast. Many people are still saying <laughs> among the best, <laughs> among the best watch performances of all time.
1: Thank
2: you. i <laughs> <though. laughs> No there one it is. is surprised
0: by this. I uh, went home immediately and I was like to my wife. I said, wife, we should watch the Netflix reality show Cheer. Hmm. Kai recommends it. We watched one gripped. Amazing. And she straight up just like watched the rest of it behind my back. And, and it was just like a savage move on her part, and I'm calling her out. I won't use her name, but it, she knows who she is.
2: She's my wife. She's my and wife. she <laughs> watched
0: the rest of Cheer without me, so I've been incrementally making my way through it. Just before I came over, I watched uh, two and a little bit of three. And who does she
2: want to get on the mat?
0: W- who does my wife want? Yeah. Um, I mean, she obviously just like, loves Jerry. Like mm. She's just <laughs> like, I just love Jerry. Uh, You know, there's something about this show, I think a lot of it I'm reacting to is both it's obviously like every one of these kids is just like straight up like my mom left me and right. then cheer uh, yeah. saved my life. It's like s- the
2: Florida Project, yeah. but
0: cheer. But like, I think it's Greg Whiteley is the person who shot this and he, he he did a lot of Last Chance U or he worked on Last Chance U. It looks fucking
2: incredible. It looks amazing. Absolutely, it looks incredible. It looks like fucking better than Friday Night Lights. Yes. And I mean that. <laughs> yeah. Like it looks
0: better than that. And just like the editing rhythm that they have where like even in when they're doing kind of like out of the gym, you know, this is this person's biography, they'll just, like, instinctually cut back to, like, a pyramid falling yeah. over and over again, like, of, like, these kids just yeah. not quite getting it. And they also just, like, really capture, like, just the physical brutality of this. squirt. It sport.
2: is a, it, absolutely brutal. I mean, they some of the falls and the throws that they have, someone spinning 30 feet up in the air comes down, heel kicks someone in the face, and then they, everyone goes to the yeah. ground. It's And then... You know, It'll be like, okay, let's take five, let's try and slow that down. It's like, what? Like, how many people have a concussion right yeah. now? There was like in the first episode, there's like
0: that point where the three girls in a row get the concussion and they're just like, touch your nose, and they're like, that's the whole pyramid is out.
2: It's insanely brutal <laughs> yeah. to
0: watch. The thing that I was noted was really remembering when I was watching it. I know this is like when uh, when people are doing NBA pods mm-hmm. and they're like, well, you know, I can pick up, there's this kind of guy, but like, yeah. I do remember. You know, now in my life, like, so many of my, even, like, my interactions with, like, my very close friends are still governed by, like, polite society and circumstances and stuff like that. I forgot what it's like to have a coach just be like, nope. Yeah, no. that's not good." savagely brutal. And it's just, and, like, every time just being like, it's not quite what I want. And I think about, like, I don't ever say that to people. Like, I don't, and people don't say that to me, really. Like, where they just, like, walk up to you after you do a task and they're just, like,
2: not perfect. Yeah, I tell you, it's... The thing that I realized, it really scratched the itch that you only get through college sports and all the complications that come with that of the kind of driven genius who is sculpting young people yeah. into this yeah. thing. It is 100% their show. It's like all these people, you're replaceable. Lexi, you're replaceable. Like we can get somebody else on the map. Yeah. Yeah, like if you don't if you don't come through right now, you're not going to make the mat, and I'm sorry about that. Right, like, and that is just absolutely compelling, and it's not, you know, we, we watch a lot of sports. It's not really something that you get from sports anymore. From no, because the, from, I think
0: that there's like always that filter through which, like, it's essentially our access to sports are yeah. always going to be through it's televised. Yeah, like this is what the league or whatever wants us to see. So even if we do see some like heartwarming shit, like a speech at halftime, yeah, we don't see Nick Saban just being like, "These five punters are fucking Here,
2: out. Fuck you, yeah, you piece of shit. Hit the <laughs> hit the fucking punt, or you're out." Yeah,
0: we're just like, "Oh, hey, that guy, like, another great Alabama punter," and you're not t- talking about like the
2: other walk-on who just got like emulsified by Nick Saban somewhere. Yeah, there's something really satisfying about like, and I think is something that like we require as human beings is this idea of like the elder person who is just no bullshit gonna help you learn about life. Yeah. Through this other thing that seemingly is unconnected to the things you're gonna do with your life. Yeah. Um, and like I keep thinking about, <laughs> there's no after this. You're right. at a junior college. Right. It's like your best an elite, shot is right. being a choreographer. That's it. And yeah. it's like seven minutes and then you're done. Your career is over. You've taken, like, 12 concussions. You weigh 115 pounds, and all you do is train, and then, like, in a month, you're done. This is
0: why I quit swimming. <laughs> I used to be a competitive swimmer when I was in my early teens. I was, like, pretty good at sprinting. Yeah. Like, a lot of sports, like, when it got too hard, I was like, this might not be it. <laughs> but, like, when it was, like, 25 yards, I was like, this is sick. Yeah. I just fucking swim as hard as I can, and I, yeah. like, beat a lot of kids. But basically, like, when I was doing, like, more, like, you know, training year around and you would join a different team for different seasons and stuff like that, I remember a coach who's, uh, who was – I was swimming in, like, University City, and the coach was just like, yeah, you know, you have a lot of potential, but here's the deal. It's, like, basically from, like, 5.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. you yeah. swim, and then from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. you swim, and you're not going to have much of a social life, and the goal in life is basically, like, this one pinnacle – which would be the Olympics. And like even and as I like, I think I was probably watching the Olympics. And I was like, so my entire life <laughs> right. not that I would ever get to the Olympics. Right. But if I did, my entire life would be summed up in this like 40 second thing, which I might fuck up. Right, right. And then it's over. And even though, yeah, like I'd be ripped. Like other than that, <laughs> what else do I have to show for it? And maybe I could have gone to like Stanford or something. But other than that, the idea that these kids are just like in Corsicana. Right. And To do this. Yeah, yeah. I also, the one thing I don't quite understand is the uh, the free agency market for Navarro. Like, I, it's just like, is Gabby? I don't
1: understand Is Gabby is, Do you understand that, Kaya? Well, Gabby's a cheer influencer. And so <laughs> she, you, her... That's right. You'll find out later on in the season, but her parents have this whole side hustle going for her, where she goes and she teaches cheer camps. And then also... That's
0: not an NCAA violation?
1: No, well, they're not in the NCAA. Yeah, they're junior oh, college. They're JUCO. And then also, these kids have the option to go and compete on club teams mm-hmm. outside of uh, Navarro.
0: Okay, but those club teams, like, do we get the feeling like that those club teams are like you can have that as your central job?
1: No, not at all. This is just like I want to compete more. My I want to do more cheer. And, and so,
2: time. if you're at the club level, are like, do are there club tournaments?
1: Yes, there's club competitions and it's
2: regional or it's or it's national. I'm not sure. Okay, Hmm.
1: man, it just seems like not a lot. Yeah, there's not.
0: Yeah, especially for what you put your body through.
2: It's crazy what you put your body through. Um, I I I think it's just like a fascinating example of the of you know just people strive for recognition and greatness. What they'll do to do that and submit themselves to. Yeah, and I also
0: think that it's like it's a, a really interesting. there are a few times where I'm not like a huge reality television person I think you could I would probably put this more in the category of docu-series although it's cut to to drive interest Mm -hmm. and make it feel like almost bingeable because you're like I need to know what happens to these people but it's impossible to imagine this show like as a fictional show with like actors playing these roles a because like the plot lines would be sensationalistic and kind of like silly and like overly like sewn together and b i don't know how could you ever cast a better character than monica
2: like how could you, you like naomi watts standing in ankle boots being like it's a good point i will say dare me on usa it's is good. pretty good yeah it's good it's pretty good it's
0: for sure good it's and that but i think that that is actually like everything that's like and and this is a show by Megan Abbott, who yeah. is a crime writer that we all like a lot. And, like, she worked on um, The Deuce and is, yeah. has been on the pod. She's awesome. But, and Deremy, like, I'm not even comparing Deremy to, to Cheer, but Deremy kind of has that thing where it's, like, out, it's outside, like, it's kind of hard to watch Deremy's Cheer sequences after watching Cheer. Oh, yeah,
2: that's a, I mean, it's a different, it's kind of, like, not what the show is about. Sure, but, yeah. yeah, like, Cheer is just, their sequences are insane. Have you seen Deremy, Kaya?
1: No, I haven't.
2: Okay. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk curb? Let's talk curbed. I like <laughs> let me just say the um <laughs> the Weinstein bit. I haven't laughed at a thing on a half-hour TV show like that in a while. Yeah. That was so fucking funny. Yeah. And one of those things where you're like only you know, the best comedy that's, like, on the line where you're like, I couldn't have imagined laughing at this. But and it's just, you like, you just know that they were out. just, like,
0: looking at Garland and just being like, you look like him.
2: And th- even the way they made him, like, scruffier yeah. and in the black suits. And, yeah. And it's like, that crushed me.
0: Um, you go through your daily life and you're just like, oh, I should write that down. That's really funny that what just happened to me. Yeah. Like, even something, like, in the second episode where he's just like, I, I need the validation. For my parking ticket, and yes. even though they have that like exchange, like oh, I didn't didn't think you would need the validation. Yeah. And he's just like, eh. and then he looks at it and he's like, that's that's just for an hour. <laughs> I was here for like an hour <laughs> yeah, ten. Like, and I think about that all the time. Where it's just like, how do like why the fuck am I being like hemmed in by like these like arbitrary validation rules at parking lots?
2: Like, it's a great point. I am that way as well. Like I am just a meek. I'm just like a meek person in most social Oh I can't be confrontational in like yeah. in those situations. I'm just like, oh, you just fucked me over. That's fine. I'll just walk away. Yeah. I don't really have it in me right now. <laughs> like to, <laughs> to, to get crazy about my parking validation. Right. So it is it is vicariously thrilling and also absolutely cringe inducing to watch Larry David go through his fucking daily life as the biggest misanthrope that's like ever walked the earth.
0: Yes. Yeah, and him just being, like, the table wobbles, so I'm going to open up a rival coffee shop (laughs) and bolt my tables to the concrete ground.
2: An unbelievable flex. And then, like, also continuing to find these, like, uh, things within social interactions, like the big goodbye, Mm -hmm. is just a move that now I feel has been burned in real life. Like, now you can't do it. Oh, no. No, I I was thinking about that myself where I was just, like,
0: because we were talking on the pod— About how my move would be the, I'm just going to run to the bathroom and and then then never come back. Not not Irish goodbye, like, full on the party, but just be like, I got caught on the other side of the party. And I apologize to anybody that I've ever pulled that on. I didn't mean to do it to you. But at, like, parties, like, when you do that, and now I feel like that's burned. That's burned. Big goodbye is burned. Kaya's, I'm just going to get myself a drink, is burned. Oh, is that what you do, Kaya? Yeah. But, Kaya, you were like, I don't offer to get the other person a drink, right?
1: No, I just say I'm going to go get another drink.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the problem. Is if you're like, can I get you something while I'm over there? And I know. Then like, I yeah, have, I'll take yeah. a gin and tonic. And
2: you're like, fuck. Now I'm a waiter. You know, I, I've been really trying to t- say actual goodbyes to people, but I I have been for a long time like a hard, hard Irish goodbye person. Yeah, just not even saying anything. Just leave. Well, I, because, I struggle with with the goodbyes, and it's like I don't want to interrupt conversations, and then it's also you know, it's like I we'll think see that, each I other think we again. should make
0: a rule. Okay, I think. Irish goodbyes among people that you have every intention of seeing again within the month right. are acceptable.
2: I like this. Wow. This is actually great.
0: Because, like, Irish goodbyes are only weird if it's like, and now I'm just never going to see this person right, again, right. and like, I, it's they, like, they bounced. Right. Now, it's strange, because then you wind up having to be a lot more, like, almost deferential to people that like it's just having like a casual acquaintance kind of like oh okay so like we're at like a cocktail party yeah and like I I just I'm gonna go up and say goodbye to this person because I don't know when I'm gonna see them again right. but feel
2: free to Irish goodbye to me
0: like I'm gonna oh, see you well, again on Monday you know what I mean I mean it's like, a
2: great point I last night I was at uh, you know I was at, I was at uh, karaoke for a friend's birthday and I He was in the middle of a conversation, and I asked goodbye to him. His own birthday. Did he say where the fuck did you go? No, no, he's fine. He was he was he was inebriated. Right, and then there's also the thing where
0: I sometimes feel like at parties, like when you start doing goodbyes, then the spotlight's on you. Right now, you gotta go because you've made like I hate when I do that. Like I'll be like hey to my wife like you want to get out of here or whatever and then we start and i start doing the like
2: yeah hey do
0: the rounds and then she's just like no i got into another 15 minute conversation with this person and i'm either standing by the door i hate that or i hate it i've gotten to the end my last person i'm saying goodbye to they're like okay see ya and then i linger
2: i hate it i hate that that's why i just leave yeah that's why usually i'm just like i'm out i'll just uh you know pretend i'm gonna whatever hit my vape pen on the porch and then i'll just i'm gone
0: yeah it's always – you can always do the call. I got to get, I I gotta get, get a call. I got to take the this. The thing also about the, what the karaoke party you're describing is that if you do that and it's like karaoke parties are usually set up so that everybody's sort of pointed in the same direction, yeah. kind of like – then you have to do the fucking like NBA legend checking out of their <laughs> final game thing where you like kind of <laughs> go down the bench and give like high fives to everybody if you skip somebody. Are like you – d-
2: see, no, but it's an interesting situation, right? Because like I think the unspoken thing is you are – In a position now where people want to say goodbye to you. Me? They want to agree you personally. You're Christopher Ryan. No, that's not
0: kidding. Come on. I think I'm like pretty good. But like if it happens naturally, I will often. Okay. Right. You say goodbye to the central figure of the evening. If it's somebody's you birthday. You have to do that. And I understand you, and I know, failed I was goodbye, that. Yeah, but I, it was a karaoke. I right, think right. there's a karaoke provision. Right, right. I think when there's another activity happening, if somebody okay. was playing paintball, if he's rock climbing, if he <laughs> is in the dunk tank, if he's playing Street <laughs> Fighter, you don't yeah. go up and be like,
2: I'm out, hey, baby, yeah, but I'll see yeah, you right, soon. Yeah, yeah.
0: But if it's just a party, I think you should say goodbye. I try to be like, you know, I try to spread the wealth, but it's often very like, you know, at the at the end of evenings, it's like by nature chaotic. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, but this is what Kirby enthusiasm it's, makes thinking about. That's what I love about the show. Let's wrap up. I, I've been talking. I feel like I've actually put way more oxygen into this story than I thought I would, but like <laughs> I remain fascinated by the Kenobi stuff.
2: Yeah. I'd say, I wonder. I think that I, I don't obviously know what happened, but it seems like it, they probably are just unhappy with whatever the story right. they so have at the moment is.
0: We've had like a series of, of like, First, it was, like, this weird rumor, like, three weeks ago, where, like, it was one of those really annoying Twitter situations where, like, it's trending, and you're like, why is yeah. this trending? And then everybody in Twitter is like, why is this trending? So you're just like, I don't, can't find the original it, it source It was, like, a here. real
2: interesting, like, moment in, like, TV That was, like, with Whitlock TV, last Twitter. night. I'm like, why yeah. the fuck is Whitlock it, like But it was a weird moment in TV Twitter where it was, like, all these writers had inside information.
0: yeah. I'm really hoping what I'm hearing isn't true. And, and you're just then like, just like what? what? What happened? Did Baby Yoda break bad? Like, they clearly
2: like got it from a source that they didn't want to burn, but yeah. then like <laughs> the,
0: you... But they were like, I I don't want to be the only person who's not like sort of signaling that right. i know and this. So,
2: uh, it was just a weird four hours on Twitter for TV Twitter? Yeah.
0: And so first it was uh there was like this weird story a couple weeks ago that was then like somewhat refuted. Right. Two weeks later, it's like Kenobi has been put on hold. And then shortly after that, it was like the issue isn't with Deborah Chow or with Ewan McGregor. Right. It's in fact these scripts that the guy who wrote Drove, Hossein Amini wrote. And that then there was a story in Variety or Hollywood Reporter that was like they too closely resemble the storyline of Mandalorian. Right. That it would involve basically Obi-Wan overseeing a young Luke and Leia. Right. And that that was like too close to the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda for them. And then after that, like about a couple days later, they sort of doubled down on like, it's just the scripts aren't in place. Although there was also weirdly like they brought up a, like I think a Kathleen Kennedy quote. She was like, scripts are locked. We're ready to go with this. And then Ewan McGregor came out on a red carpet for somewhere yeah. and was just like, no, don't worry about it. We're still going to do it. I think we're going to still hit our release date. It's being blown out of proportion. And it sounds like they're going to bring Filoni yeah in to write it. Do you care that we'll probably go through 2020 without a new Star Wars thing that'll just be Mandalorian?
2: I don't necessarily care, but I do I do kind of see the issue. So, the Obi-Wan's history with the Clone Wars, kind of like pre-Luke stuff, is pretty fleshed out via the Clone Wars animated series. Mm-hmm. After that, he maroons himself on Tatooine and looks over Luke in secret. That's just kind of the only chunk of story that's, like, untold. Mm -hmm. So figuring out an original approach that is different enough from the setup of the Mandalorian, which is, like, the elder warrior looking over the younger uh, Force-sensitive child and keeping them out of danger, that's going to be tricky, although you could— there's a there's a way to do it, I think, where you make it an exploration of, like, how weird Tatooine is mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. And these kind of, like—it's uh, different from The Mandalorian in the sense that, the, you know, Mando and, and Baby Yoda are together. It would be an interesting setup for Obi-Wan to be, like, doing all these things, fighting off Darth Maul in the desert, fighting off, like, all these other uh, threats— Without Luke ever figuring out that there, he has this like grizzled old guardian right. angel that lives right. in this hut out in the desert. I mean, and presumably I that's the there trick. would
0: be an Uncle Owen, right? Uh, out there, I guess.
2: Is that Edgerton? Uh, it's it is Edgerton in the prequels, and I, I and bet. he doesn't. And if, the, if then if by the time drop like, the bag, I'm sure Edgerton <laughs> would be like happy to come back. Listen, it just. Disney's throwing the bag around. Yeah. And then by the time you get to a New Hope, like it's clear that Uncle Owen knows about Obi-Wan. Like, oh, yeah, old like they know about him. So, you know, that that's the that's the needle to thread. Like you can have Luke in it, but he just can't ever figure out that he has this hero that's lurking in his Because the, the whole
0: point of New Hope is he's just this bratty kid who's pretty good at flying. Right. He can't be like, Weird! I can move a fucking rock right. with my mind. Exactly. I wonder what that's about. He's like, just it's got to be they've, they've got to protect the integrity of like when this kid goes to Dagobah for the first time, when this kid first hears the the power that's inside of his head.
2: So that is a, that you know that's like a it's a it's definitely threading the needle. That said, Filoni has done it in the past. Clone mm-hmm. Wars fills in all the gaps of the prequel movies. Well, specifically the movies, uh, specifically between uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. But it's really the best way to engage with the prequels. And then Rebels tells the story of how the nascent rebellion came together, tying in all the strands from Rogue One, and leading up to a new hope, so he's. Does first... Rebels have stuff? Does is Cassian in Rebels? Cassian's not, but Saw Gerrera is in it. Okay, and Saw Gerrera like after Rogue One came out, so it's Forrest Whitaker actually voicing the character. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't really. You know, I. I think that like that idea of, of a show being about Obi Wan's time on Tatooine is pretty cool. I think if anything is sort of. I mean, there's lots of things that bug me over the years <laughs> about Star Wars. But part of it is, like, it's itchy trigger finger to always get away from the setting that it's in. Yeah, I and right. I think Mandalorian did a pretty good job of having a very consistent look and feel despite the fact that he went to, like, ten planets. Yeah. But in Rogue One even, which is probably, like, my second or third favorite Star Shame. Wars movie, the first hour of that movie, they're, they go to, like, 15 planets to, yeah. like, find this and get that and do this and meet this person. It would be kind of interesting to have... Like a standard,
2: this is where, this is like a samurai movie, this is the town, this is the samurai. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And, the, you know, the other thing is, like, you and McGregor, it's like only, it's not that long. It's like, what? I don't know. I, I'm going to fuck this up, but it's like 15 years or something. Like, he's been on that planet for not that long. Right. And then by the time you get to A New Hope. He's Alec Guinness. He's Alec Guinness. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck happened, man? (laughs) This dude saw some shit. He's under there under the twin suns just aging. That's right. Maybe there's like a night at Moss Isley where it's just like he walks out (laughs) and he looks like Alec Guinness. What happened? Yeah. Uh, So in that sense, like, man, he obviously has seen some shit and it would be great to find out what that is.
0: All right. So that looks like it's not going to come until 2021. It doesn't sound like... the Cassian show is going to come to 2021, so we'll get Mandalorian. That's okay. That's fine. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Binge mode. Uh, how many more episodes do you guys one have in One
2: more. Darth Vader character uh, study. And where's what? that drop? Have you ever heard of them? Uh, next week. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for coming okay, on, Thank man. you for having me.